So what I'm thinking is based on what you're telling me is that your embodiment and your self-identity was revolved around the warrior king, kick-ass football player who's considered a god amongst his peers and with the fans and with the league. But deep down inside, there was a huge shell of emptiness. Yes. And so did you, so you said year two is when shit hit the fan to a certain yes. extent. That, that's quite a quick fall, Yeah. yeah. right? Was it an injury? Yes. All right, all right. What a day to be alive. What a day to be operating with full freedom. You know, that philosophy of freedom. It's a great time to have another beautiful brother on Wake the Fake Up. My dear brother, Eben, it's so good to, to have you here. How are you, brother? I'm excellent, man. It's great to be with you. Yeah, long time coming. Yes. Yeah, we've been kind of circling each other's airwaves for about a year now, probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think I saw you on hotbox and that was the podcast you were doing with um our buddy mike yeah and then i was like okay wow they got someone on that show that can speak some consciousness and seems to be um not the liberal woke but the like you know full embodied woke and i was pretty stoked to see that and uh through there it seemed like we had mutual friends yeah and then we just kind of have the same philosophy and then i started watching your stuff and i listened to a couple excerpts of your podcasts and I was I was hooked, you know, and I was like, okay, wow, we have an ex pro athlete, um, NFL player, which I always have respect for NFL guys. They put you through the ringer, and um, thank you for being you, and thank you for doing this, you know. Absolutely, man. For me, there's no other way, right? You know, yeah. I've hit the wall, <laughs> and I was the looking up the real wall, right? Not yeah. like the perverable, wall, yeah, but the real wall, both. <laughs> yeah, hit rock bottom, whatever you want to call it. The karmic weight got too much to bear. Mm. And uh, there's no other way for me in this life. Yeah. Um, just to speak my truth, spread the universal message of truth and divinity and who we truly are and what we're capable of. And it's great to connect with you, man. It's an honor, man, Yeah, to, to reflect that and to feel into that truth. To give the, um, the listeners a little bit of background, and I, I really, I move quickly because I want to go right into all that, but you played in the NFL for how long? Six years. Six years, and that was a dream come true for you, I'm sure. Yep. Um, I had a pretty dark and chaotic childhood, a lot of alcoholism. A lot of mental health issues. And your parents or? Family, family? yeah, parents, family. Um, it was super tumultuous. I was seven or eight years old at my grandparents' house in Connecticut watching the news. On came the sports segment. It was the Jets and the Giants in training camp. And the seed was planted in my mind's eye of that's what I want to do when I grow up. I want to be one of those gladiators. And I, looking back... I really, it occurred to me so clearly that that was my way to transcend this life that I was in, of a lot of darkness, a lot of, a lot of sadness, a lot of grief, a lot of anxiety. Was it your life, like your like your escape route, or were you trying to get out of the pain um, you were in, or was it you wanting to be able to hit people? It was a combination. Okay, you know, I wanted okay. to show the world how big and scary I was. Got it. And that I was to be feared and that I was this warrior, this gladiator, that uh, this warrior king that was ready to 
conquer the world basically through my physical domination of it. Uh, my mom would never let me play. Finally, my freshman year of high school, with the help of my dad, convinced her to let me play. And from that moment, it was just like a rocket ship to the moon, if you believe in that. And um, <laughs> Do you believe you can land on the moon? And um, everything I did, how I carried myself, how I ate, how I slept, how I trained, how I moved on the field was all in alignment with achieving that dream. Started getting the scholarship offers, ended up at the University of Arizona, um, playing offensive tackle. And uh, when I was 21. Offensive tackle? Yes, yes. So you played you played O-line at U of A? Yep. And is that what you got drafted for? Yeah, yeah. Wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> What's your standing weight today? 250. Okay, which is probably that your health embodiment weight, yeah. you know, based on your yeah. figure, based on any relative awareness of what health means in today's standards. Yeah. So when you were in your football height, the height of your career, what was your weight? 315. 315. I left the NFL at 328. 328? Yes. What's your height? 6'6". Six, six. That's a lot of weight. Yeah, yeah. It okay, was, it was a heavy weight. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so take us into getting into the NFL. Well, how, just r real quick, briefly, how was your college reality? Was it hectic? Freshman year was difficult because I came out of my high school superstar athlete, found myself at the U of A. I chose Arizona for a number of reasons. They have one of the best creative writing programs in the world. Also, I wanted to be a part of building this program back to getting into bowl games. I love the coaches. I saw there was a really great opportunity for me there to be, to shine. Um, but my freshman year, I had to redshirt, which is pretty common. Yep. So... But through the redshirting process, you know, you're doing everything the team is doing except for playing in the games on Saturday. So up at 5 o'clock in the morning for a 6 a.m. lift, doing the student-athlete life, going to classes, you have to get good grades to be eligible to play, um, going to practices, going to meetings, and then really having nothing to show for it at the end of the day. By the end of that season, I was so blown out and exhausted I remember vividly walking around campus and I just have my head down all the time. And I remember thinking to myself, like, Eb, you have your head down, man. Like, you're one of the most confident human beings. Like, that was one of my traits. That was one of my strengths was my confidence and my belief in myself. We're talking about in junior high, high school? Absolutely. High yeah. school in particular. Junior high, there was a lot of, I mean... Being the biggest kid always and going through a number of growth spurts, I grew about a foot from seventh grade till the end of eighth grade. Which can be very awkward around that age. Super awkward. Yeah. People. Opposite sex. People. How oh, they have, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't yeah. chew. The, one, of the, my, one of my favorite descriptions of how awkward you can be physically is I couldn't chew gum and walk down the sidewalk at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Motor skills were having yeah, to catch up. Banging into walls. You know, it was just, it was really an awkward phase. Why did that, why did you drop off in, in college? Did you feel like a small fish in a big pond? I felt 
I just felt like I was busting my ass and there wasn't anything to show for it. Okay. At the end of that first season, um, went home for Christmas break, recalibrated, even had the thoughts of like, man, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Yeah. Am I where I'm supposed to be? Came back and just made a decision. I made a decision like, this is what I'm doing with my life. I'm playing in the NFL. And just took it one breath at a time, one moment at a time, one weight workout at a time. By spring ball, I had worked my way into the starting right tackle spot and just trusted, you know, trusted in my destiny path and what the universe had set before me when I was eight years old. Um, and then from that moment on, really, it just, my career just kept elevating, you know, my game kept elevating and coaches around me, I started hearing the whispers, Eb's going to be a first round pick. You know, Eb's going to be a professional football player playing on Sunday, taking care of everybody around him. Were you hyped on that? Or were you? Yeah, yeah you absolutely. Were. Okay. So your confidence is rolling. You're, you're feeling juiced up. You're inspired. Absolutely. You're probably like, okay, let's keep, let's keep this going. How healthy were you mind, body, and soul through that process? I was super healthy pretty much until my second year in the nfl okay so you get drafted what year is this 2008 2009 2009 you get drafted by who get drafted 39th overall by the jacksonville jaguars jacksonville now when you got drafted and you got by jacksonville what was your immediate reaction were you stoked i uh, yeah i was i was super stoked i was actually you know this is where my I don't know what you'd call it, but I had allowed a lot of the outside voices to influence my perception of who I was supposed to be and what I was supposed to do. So your perception of self was based on other people's perception of you. Absolutely. Which is uh, yeah. like removing the mask and then staring at the mask. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. That's, that's commonality in today's society because of just the systems that are in place. Absolutely. Right. And, in, and it's a big thing in that world. Sure. In the world of sports, football in particular. Um, and it was a big part of my uh, reconfiguration process in life after football. But so. So, but what was that perspective of self then? But what, what was it? I was this warrior. Okay. I was the best of the best. I was a guy that. I was a team captain. I was a guy that everybody looked to to set the example for others. I was this, you know, all-American. Pillar of strength. Pillar of strength, exactly. So you went to Jacksonville offering that consciousness? Yes. Was it what you expected it to be? Or um, was it like a whole new reality check? It was a major reality check. Okay, who was the coach at that time? guy named jack del rio i know jack del rio i love jack yeah yeah he's actually a good players coach oh yeah yeah he yeah. was honestly throughout my football career probably my favorite coach i ever had okay um and he, he him and i always had a great relationship he loved the type of player i was yeah he really appreciated that i was always so hard-nosed i mean my physicality and the violence i played with on the field was really what got me there to the NFL, and he really always appreciated that. You were a bulldog? Absolutely, man. Yeah, you had to be, I right? wanted to exact all that pain from my childhood. I wanted to put it on other people. Right. 
And football and playing offensive line was the perfect vehicle for that because I got to do it and be celebrated for it. <laughs> so you're you teeing know? off on D linemen and linebackers, safeties, safeties that try to blitz in, whoever on. you can get your yeah. hands on. Who were you protecting at that time? Who was your quarterback? In Jacksonville is a guy named Dave Garrard. Dave Garrard. Okay. Um, awesome guy. Great quarterback. Super underrated, I think. And, um, we had some solid years those first couple of years and then it it all just fell apart so first year was you know different reality check this and that what happened in the second year where did things go down was it an injury well so that first year it was definitely reality check cuz here i am i come in and i'd gotten shit faced during the draft and it wasn't you know it was one of these extreme <laughs> growth moments because the call finally came in. I'd expected to go in the first round. My agent was telling me, yeah. That's the, top 30, right, in NFL? Top 32. Top 32. I went 39th. Okay, So got I was it. super early in the second round, which is still like yeah. massive accomplishment. For sure. But our ego, our ego, our yes. ego then yeah. is like, no, who yeah. the hell is in front of me? Yeah. So I had a super... Uh, machismo call with the coaches i think jack del rio and gene smith who's the gm at the time they called me to tell me they were drafting me and i said man what the fuck took you guys so long <laughs> and jack being the guy that jack is he laughed he was laughing in the background and i went on to say i'm gonna make every did they have an earlier pick uh yeah and they actually drafted one of my best friends eugene monroe another offensive tackle in the first round <laughs> From U of A? From Virginia. Okay, but he was an old friend of yours. Well, we became really good friends because we were the first rookie tackle tandem to start game one in 40 years that's in the amazing. NFL. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Um, so the reality check was I came into this this new world, this upper echelon, the, high, the peak of the mountain in yeah. football. And I'd really come in talking a lot of shit and there, I found myself in the midst of grown men who have put it all on the line year in, year out, playing this game, making a lot of money. And here comes the young buck who's talking shit and, you know, finds himself totally. in the midst of this bull ring, yeah. you know? Which, so, which now you realize they didn't have an option but to give you shit. Exactly. They're, because that's their livelihood is on the line. Exactly. Right? And yeah. they've, they've been killing themselves. Yes. You know? Yeah. And then here's this guy. This young kid. Yeah. It's like, who the fuck do you think you are, man? So that was a real reality check. And I had to really start from the bottom and earn everybody's respect, mm -hmm. which was super challenging. But by the end of training camp, I had earned the starting right tackle spot. And Amazing. I yeah. beat out this veteran, Tony Pashos, who was a huge mentor for me, a massive human being, even bigger heart because of how he conducted himself through the whole thing. Class. Um, and uh, so finally, I ended up having a phenomenal rookie year. Started 15 of 16 games, missed one game with a sprained MCL, but really had an all-rookie type year. Was team captain, last game of the season. Fantastic. Um, and went into my second year 
everybody's calling me the golden child. They're like, Eb, you can do no wrong. You know, wow. you're you're the future of leading this offensive line for the next decade, the way I figured What's out. your spiritual practice during this phase going into the second year? You know, it's a great question. Thank God for my mother who was dragging me to yoga classes from the time I was about 11 years old. And my mom, my mom is a yogi, um, yogini, I would say. And she just, she really instilled this. She instilled and amplified my own inner seeker that had been there since I was a little kid, always being interested in the unseen realms of reality. It's what drew me to cannabis, what drew me to a lot of the things I'm interested in now. But to be honest, man, I was so, I became so enveloped in my, my identity as that warrior football player. And I'd achieved this dream. I'd reached the top of this mountain, done the thing that I had always thought would solve all my problems. And I found myself still with this hole in my soul. Mm. You know, the thing wasn't solved that I thought this was going to solve. The pain? The emptiness. Okay. The discontent, the not being fulfilled. Mm -hmm. You know, the, I'd always believed that when I became the pro football player, that was it. You know, I would have figured it all out. Everything would have fallen into place. And, you know, the truth was having reached the top of that mountain, there was still something missing. There was still that thing. I wasn't, I didn't feel whole yet. What, what was it? Was it love? Was it comfort? Did you have a woman? Was it well, XYZ? Was it a spiritual practice? Was looking it... back now, it's, it's the self-love component. Uh -huh. You know, I had, yep. I had no love for myself. Mm -hmm. You know, and through this process of proving to the world how big and scary and badass I was, I completely destroyed myself. Mm. And I left the NFL after six years, physically, mentally, and spiritually destroyed. Wow. And really had to start from the bottom of building myself back up, figuring out who I was, finding that self-love, coming to terms with myself. And, uh, you know, that was, uh, that's where the life lessons have really begun. Well... It's interesting, you know, when you lean your reality on what you do, the emptiness becomes so sprawling. It becomes yeah. so vast. And if anything hiccups there, you're fucked. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. So what I'm thinking is, based on what you're telling me, is that your embodiment and your self-identity was revolved around the warrior, king, kick-ass football player who's who's considered a god amongst his peers and with the fans and with the league but deep down inside there was a huge shell of emptiness yes. and so did you so you said year two is when shit hit the fan to a certain yes. extent that that's quite a quick fall yeah. yeah right was it a was it an injury yes okay what yeah. kind of injury did you have so it was i had had i came into my spring second spring with the jags in the best shape of my life kicking ass had phenomenal otas um which are the spring practices 
coaches are saying, man, Ab, you can do no wrong, dude. You're going to have an all-pro year. This is your year. So stoked for you. OTAs ends. We're in the last lift before our three-week break, before training camp. And we're doing these, these Kaiser squats. Have you ever seen a Kaiser machine? It's like air pressure. Yeah. It's kind of a frontal. Yep. Yep. And less uh, stress on the spine and on the back. Well, yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. Never mind. <laughs> I spoke too soon. So we're doing these Kaiser squats and we're getting in there and we're loading, maxing this thing out with a thousand pounds of air pressure on our shoulders. And we're doing these explosive squats. And the strength coach would give us a hit and we'd drop down and explode up as fast as we could. And we did like three of those reps. And um, I did one set, came out, was kind of fucking around with my teammate, like joking around, not focused, not totally locked in. I get in there for the second set, load the thing up. Coach says hit. I drop down and I feel this like tube of toothpaste squirt into my right hip. I'm like, what the fuck was that? And I get out of the machine and I feel like I've been, somebody just ripped me hernia? in half. Hernia? Herniated disc. Ugh. So I herniated L5S1 really badly. I felt like I had torn my right glute. I didn't know if I had torn my hamstring. I didn't know what was happening other than I was completely discombobulated physically okay so let me rewind that so it was really like right into my right glute it mm -hmm. felt like a tube of toothpaste that just squirted into my right you said l5 l5 s1 okay so l5 s1 that's right on the sacrum right yeah and so the pressure pushed the disc out yeah the whole thing it just squirted all because your discs are filled with this fluid the membrane yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and it just like a jelly donut just got squeezed out all of that oh my god okay and this fluid is toxic which you come to learn for sure and it and it was just pinching or all oozing out on onto my sciatic nerve so everybody my teammate who i was in line with working with he's like whoa dude what just happened there and i said i have no fucking idea were you laying down no I was just standing up because we were about to go out and run sprints. So we go out. How and did run he know? Sprints. How did he knew something happened? Just he your said, reaction. Just like my how my body moved. He was like something. Okay. Something went wrong there. Got it. Was it numb at that point? No, no. I'm just in. I feel like literally. I felt like somebody ripped my body in half and put my torso on backwards. That's how I felt. So we go out to run these sprints, and now I'm really pissed off. Cause I'm like, I had this phenomenal spring and we're about to go for a three week vac vacation and something devastatingly wrong just occurred. Go out to run these sprints. I'm pissed off, run the sprints. Now I tear my hamstring. So I go wait, in. Wait, let me ask you what? So you felt something that you've never felt before in your life. Yeah. Right. At that point, you know you're a prized athlete. You know your body. You're a, you're not, this isn't high school. What gave you the incentive or the push to go run sprints? I, I just want to understand the psychology of that. It Were you was, in denial? You didn't want I to. I was think? in denial. Okay. I didn't want to. I was also. 
Trying to shake it off. Shaking it off. Okay. I'm going to walk it off. I'll be fine. This is weird. I can still move. Something's wrong, but, you know, I'm a warrior badass. This is what I do. I play through pain. doesn't matter. I'm not about to go into the training room and tell them I just herniated injured my myself. Yeah. I, and at that time, I had no idea about sure. herniating a disc. Because if I tell them I'm hurt now, I don't get to go on my vacation before training camp because they're going to keep me there to do rehab and all of these things. Are I got you. So there's a lot of things pending to it. Let's just see what the outcome is. Okay. So I go run sprints, tear the hamstring. Legit? Like you tore it? Uh, Just a bad rupture. Got you it. Know? Not like off the bone or anything. Same side? Bad, yes. Same side. This is your right side? Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, which also I hurt my right shoulder later that year, but we'll get into that. Um, so All on the right side. Yes. Yeah. I have a story on that as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so finally after the sprints, now it's like I there's no there's no avoiding this truth. I've hurt. I've totally injured myself now. So I go into the training room after we've run sprints. They do all these tests. They're like, oh, yeah, you pulled your hamstring. But I'm like, yeah, but there's something else going on. So they do these tests. They lay me back on the table, try to lift my right leg up. And it, I couldn't get it three or four inches off the table before I had this lightning bolt of pain run through my it right make, leg. Makes sense because that's how you're lifting it up. Yeah. So the trainer goes, oh, shit, man, you, you herniated your disc. And at this point, I'm just thinking to myself, okay, you know. We'll just do what we got to do and get through rehab it, it. And rehab it, do the things. Um, the trainer wasn't really that worried about it. But basically that started that whole year. I was playing an, ex an excruciating amount of pain, a lot of pills, a lot of painkillers. You know, the prescription anti-inflammatories. Like Toradol. Oh, Toradol, Cataflam, Celebrex, Indocin. Destroying your gut microbiome. Just destroying your digestive system, yeah. liver, kidneys, you name it. And getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning at the facility by 5.30 to start this rehab protocol. Hot tub, cold tub, stem, machines, deep massage, cupping, all of these things, dry needling, all kinds of stuff have a whole stretching and core regimen that I'm doing every single day. And I just get back into meetings, still in excruciating pain. Jack Del Rio used to tell me, Eb, if you need to lie on your back with your feet, like up on an exercise ball, just to take the pressure off your spine while you're watching film, you could do that, you know? Yeah. Um, but it was still, it was brutal. You know, my did whole- Did you get an MRI and th did they actually look, go in there and look and see how the severity of it? Did the MRIs. Yeah. Yeah. And they said, yeah, it's herniated, you know? It's herniated. Okay. Um, which when I had it a year, fast forward another year later is when I had back surgery to fix it they fused no they just i went to one of the best back surgeons in the in the country and he just shaved the disc off it had become really tough and the disc was just pinching on the nerve yeah and he said uh because at first he was trying to talk me out of the surgery actually he was saying eb you know i think you could work through this i'm like doc there's no way i've been working through this for a year 
and it's just been no relief. I can't even drive in a car at this point wow. because it's just sciatic pain. Yeah, it's yeah. just excruciating. My I couldn't feel my right foot on the ground, and it was really affecting my play. Um, or actually, I'm getting a little ahead of myself because more happened there where I dislocated my shoulder that same year. Wow. Um, so you've had an avalanche. Yeah, I get hit with this avalanche injuries. of injuries. And it's driving you into chemical cocktails, pharmaceutical yeah. drugs, which we all know is essentially you know taking you lower and lower in terms of your mental and emotional ability because these are poisons in the body yes you know solving a issue in your body with a pharmaceutical drug is like trying to clean up a dirty river with toxins i love that <laughs> you know i, I actually i posted that quote yesterday yeah and, i shared it oh you did yeah, okay yeah yeah, yeah. okay all right because i was like yes bingo that's right you know and so you're so you're you're compromised. Yes. How can a second year pro who's supposed to be the captain grow physically and emotionally when the body is compromised? Yeah. You can't. Yeah. The only option, you know, the, the looking at it outside from a different vantage point and as, as time gone by, is the only thing you could have done is to um, completely walked away yeah. at that point and either gone on a different path in life or had done real healing. Mm. And then come back. Yeah, there was no other option. Yeah, the option that you stuck around with probably is the reason why your career ended, outside yeah. of the cosmic law of it. Right. Right. Yeah. Which maybe there was a, a better purpose. Maybe you were going to break your neck. Maybe you were going to have fifty concussions. Maybe you're going to have X Y Z. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Right. You're right. hitting it on the head. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you're hitting it on the I'm head. hitting it on the head. Literally. No concussion. Though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I suffered a handful of those too. You know? Yeah, for sure. Um, luckily, I chose to use cannabis throughout my football career. Hallelujah. Was, yeah, just intuitively following that. Yeah, because it was like, so I'll get into. The, I, I always. This is always uh, this. We're almost done with the NFL no, no. Injuries. I I love this. I think this is a great story. I think ne most people have no idea. Yeah. what really goes on behind the scenes yeah um a friend of ours alicia she's the one that um she's the director for all the hard knocks oh yeah yeah uh she's one of our good friends and she she was telling me stories about what happens behind the scenes and just how difficult it is oh yeah and you're dealing with car accidents yeah every single day in, yeah. in the prof in professional football yeah you know and just a one workout you were doing yeah look what that did to yeah. a frame that was maybe compromised or yeah. you're just one millimeter off yeah you know and yeah. you weren't really your mind wasn't present yeah right and that's another thing about being present yeah completely at, at that kind of velocity and it's the same thing when you're driving a fast car when you're operating machinery all of these things that are not designed for what we're supposed to be doing if you're just a fraction of a second off or a millimeter off you can be changing your whole entire path of life or you could be dead. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Please, please carry on. I love this conversation. So day in, day out, I'm at the facility by no later than 6 a.m. doing all of this rehab just to get ready to sit in a chair for three hours before going out to practice, before practicing, popping a lot of pills, prescription anti-inflammatories, indocin. Um, in particular, which 99% of guys in an NFL locker room are on a daily regimen 
of prescription anti-inflammatories yeah. just to get through the day. Yeah. Just to deal with the nicks, the bumps, the bruises, the little things, the little soreness. So they can sleep. Yeah. So they can drive their car home. Yeah. Right? And yeah. not be miserable. Exactly. Um, so Sundays, my regimen was basically get into the facility as early as I could. This is game day. This is game day. Okay. Get into the facility as early as I could. I'd probably take the two Vicodin that they gave me for after the game, before the game. You took two Vicodin opiates before you get on the NFL field? Yeah. Yeah. Plus an Adderall. <laughs> okay, well, the Adderall will balance <laughs> yeah. it out. Yeah. So you're, you're uh, playing- Plus Toradol. You're... Yeah. And a yeah. shot of Jaeger? <laughs> <laughs> Should have. Um you know, but this was just, once again, man, I was in the worry, I'm, whatever I got to do, you're telling me these pills are the things, you're telling me this injection Who's is the you? things. Who's you? Oh, Your the trainers? trainers, the doctors. So they're- They provide they you provide with these things. They provide us with this. Okay, yeah. wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Um, Remember the movie the, the movie, The Program? Of course, dude. <laughs> yeah. Of course. I'm going to get some lights out. North Dallas 40. I mean, it's all. That's yeah, right. Tells a story. So, yeah. um, and nothing against them. Like, I love these guys. Yeah. You know, and they were doing what they, the best they could right. with what they had. No, this is just the system. This systemic. is the system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, now, they would give you these Vicodin for after the game. I just used them before. Okay. You know, because I was, I I was in an excruciating amount of pain. Not only that, like you said, because my physical body is in such disarray, my mind is kind of like, I'd rather be anywhere but there yeah. doing this. But here I am, I'm starting at right tackle for a professional football team about to lace it up to go block a fire-breathing dragon. Pretty much a you monster. Know? Yeah, just a complete monster. And and it's it's kind of likely that they're going through the same thing? Absolutely. Would you say a majority of the players? Every single guy on the field on Sundays is dealing with some injury. Right. Some more severe than others. Some more severe than right. others. Y your situation seems, I don't know how your situation could get get more hectic. Yeah. The, the, the way, back is just. That's everything. Yeah. That's your base. Yeah. It's that's everything. So you're, so you're, so you're kind of fucked up yeah. while you're playing? Uh, or did the, Adder did the Adderall super high? Yeah. I mean, the Adderall would help me just be in it. Yeah, but you know, the painkillers never did anything positive for me. Okay, at the end of the day, right? You know, it was just I take these things because they're deemed painkillers, hoping that they would get me out of the pain. Yeah, they'd kind of make me not think about the pain, but the Adderall was actually doing more for me as far as pain alleviation than the Vicodin was. Yeah. So finally, I'm doing this for seven weeks. We're in Kansas City playing the Chiefs. Kansas City, one of the most volatile environments in the NFL. Uh, super loud, louder than Oregon, louder than anywhere I've played in my football career. I've played at LSU, I've played at Oregon. They're I've wild over there. In Kansas City, that's all they just, got. They it's, got, it's, it's Missouri, it, right? Yeah. What the hell else are they going to do? They love it. They yeah. love their Chiefs. Yeah. Um, I'm playing against some of the best pass rushers in the league: Tom Bahali, Mike Vrabel, 
in his sort of latter at the Tamba Holly was a monster. Yeah. Long arms, right? Yeah, monster. I, yeah. Freak. Yeah. Um, and really talented. Yeah. Um, so do my pregame thing. Of course, the pills, the stretching, the core, the all the stuff. Second half or we're in the second quarter of the game and we're playing that three four defense. So I've got a head up tackle on me. And we're doing an outside zone to the right. So we're coming my direction. I punch through this defensive tackle, working my way up to the linebacker. As I get up to the linebacker, this wave of bodies comes and takes me out from the ankles. And I land on my right elbow at a right angle. Something happens. I get up and I can't move my arm. And I realize my shoulder's dislocated. So Have I you dislocated it before? Throughout from the from my sophomore year of high school, I my sh- right shoulder would subluxate. Okay. So it would pop out and pop in. Yeah. Slide out, slide in. But it never fully dislocated. Okay. So right now it's fully dislocated. I just pop it back in. I rolled it back in. We finish the drive. We score a touchdown. I come out to the sideline. I say to our trainer, Say, hey, brother, I need a, a shoulder harness because my I just dislocated my shoulder and we're about to go back in for a two-minute drill. Dude, and he, he, dude you're, you're a berserker, okay? Exactly. I'm a berserker, but this is next-level berserker shit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, Holy moly. He looks at me. He's just like looking at me. And I'm like, dude, hurry the fuck up because we're about to go out for a two-minute drill in about 10 minutes when we get the ball back. And I Fourth need Fourth quarter? This is the second quarter, right before, right before halftime. Half okay. time. Got it. And we're down by like 20. It's like 21 to three. It's, we're it's do or die now. Yeah, yeah, it's do or die. 21 seven. Yeah. Yeah. And he goes, okay. And he like runs, grabs the harness. I throw my pads off, throws this shoulder harness on me, <laughs> get the shoulder pads back on. I'm grabbing my helmet as we're running back on the field. It was like a NASCAR tire change. Get back out there for this two-minute drill. Two plays in, I'm pass-blocking against Mike Vrabel. I go to punch. He knocks, he swipes my right arm down, and it comes out of the socket again. Now, this time, the harness is holding it out, so I can't get it back in. So I have to run off the field. My backup comes running on. Get to this bench. It takes three team doctors about five minutes to get my shoulder back into the socket. They're saying, Eb, can we get you inside? I'm like, fuck no. Just get it the fuck in. Just roll it in. And finally it grinds back in. You have to push, you have to twist and push the elbow, Yeah, there's right? like a whole thing. There's yeah. three. I've got, you know, I've got my arm down between my legs. Right. And the team docs are like working to get me contorted. Finally, it grinds back into place. Our head team dog says, Eb, let's get you inside. Let's get you out of your pads. We'll get you some medicine. Uh, It's time to call it a day. Yeah, we're done for the day. So I go in there, throw a huge dip in, contemplating (laughs) this whole situation. My man. Thinking to myself, I'll be ready next week for Dallas. You know? That's where your mind's at? That's where I'm at. You know, I'll be fine. This has happened before. I've been through this. I know I got my whole shoulder regimen down. I'll tighten it up. I'll be good to go by next week. Um, All these injuries are completely related. 
Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You're missing leverage points. Yeah. Bioenergetic fuels are d dismantled here, here, here. All of a sudden, you're left vulnerable here. Yes. Yeah, I could draw the whole thing out. You know. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I'd love to hear your your total breakdown of it. Yeah. Um, I would love to chart it for you. Yeah. And we can get into weight ratios and how these how everything is supported. Absolutely. Beyond just a kinesiology perspective. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, dude. Mm -hmm. Um. Wow. Because I'd love to see how that lines up with my understanding and interpretation of it all. Um, and to give more context to the experience. But so f I watched the second half of the game from the sideline. After the game, for the first time in my life, the team doctor says, Eb, I can't let you play anymore. going to put you on injured reserve. You need to have surgery as soon as possible. Have your shoulder fixed. And I just burst into tears, you know, and it was like you said, you put it so perfectly, man, when we've identified ourselves so wholeheartedly in what we do, it just take it's like a Jenga set. You pull one wrong, you pull one piece and it's just your whole foundation is standing on toothpicks, yeah. you know, and everything just started to crumble. Yeah. Um, so I ended up having shoulder surgery. That was the firsthand experience now because I got sent home, went down to Alabama with Dr. Andrews, one of the best orthopedic surgeons in the world, fixed my shoulder. He's done all the, all the greats. He did an unbelievable job to the point where my right shoulder is probably better than my left at this stage. <laughs> um, wow. um, but I got sent home with a bottle of pills, Yeah, you know, uh, a 30-day supply of Vicodin to take two a day every three hours. And uh, really quickly, I realized how detrimental the opiates were for my system. Yeah. You know, not only was I, I was already in a super vulnerable state physically, and these things exacerbated all of that. Yeah. They put me in a really low-frequency mental vibration. I was on a hair trigger. I had a lot of rage just right below the surface, snapping at people who were there taking care of me, my mom, my girlfriend. And it was the first time where I, I had taken this thing, watching myself have this experience going, whoa, Eb, this isn't you, mm. you know? Yeah. You and felt like a victim? I felt, uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. I felt completely vulnerable yeah. you know and like i couldn't do anything and just all of my shit was spilling out you know all of my insecurity and all of the things that i never dealt with as a kid all as a teenager you know when you start playing football you really it's like going into the military in many ways because you become emotionally stunted as the person who went in you know and so i didn't you know, it started the, this long, hard road of first having to get my body into order. You know, I started, I went down the rabbit hole of having serious withdrawal symptoms, waking up at two or three o'clock in the morning, shooting pain in my gut, cold sweats, chills, needing more pills just to take away this yeah. feeling. Yeah. Um, so. Wow. Yeah. And then I ended up playing four more years, you know, 
after that. When it was all said and done, when did you realize it was time to call it quits? So my last year in Chicago, I finished up four years in Jacksonville. Um, the next two years, <laughs> so after that season, I had the shoulder surgery, spent the rest of that year on injured reserve. The next year was the lockout. So the owners locked the players out. They couldn't, they couldn't come to terms on a new collective bargaining agreement. Came back for training camp in 2011, had no off season. My back is still fucked up. I can't feel my right foot on the ground. Wow. I'd go in for three plays in practice and I'd come out and I had to take a knee because I couldn't even stand up. And so my shoulder had been fixed, but my back hadn't been addressed. So pretty quickly, about two weeks into training camp, Jack Del Rio comes up to me and says, Eb, we really need you this year, man. And I want you to go and have the surgery. Like For your back. At that point, I had had three epidurals in the disc, none of which did anything for me. Yeah. Um, it was a complete waste of time. I was still in a lot of pain. Sciatic pain is, the nerve damage was starting to take a toll where I couldn't even feel my right foot on the yeah. ground. Yeah. Uh, so I went and had the surgery, came out of it, basically burst into tears because for the first time in about 18 months, I wasn't in excruciating pain. Wow. It was like somebody pulled the piece of glass out of my, the electrical circuit of my body. Yep. Felt amazing. Worked my way back. You were high. Super high. Yeah. Uh, you know. Newfound life. Newfound life. Right. I was back to my rookie self, kicking ass. Um, we didn't have a left guard, so they asked me to move to left guard, which I loved. You're in, you're in, you're in Chicago, or you're I'm still, still in Jacksonville. Jacksonville. You're this still my, with Jacksonville. This is my third year in Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah. Starting at left guard now, having an all-pro caliber year. Offensive coordinators coming up to me like, "Yeah, I haven't seen you do shit like this, and since you've been here, like you're doing things that it's incredible. Like you're on path to be an all-pro this season." And I could feel it. 11 weeks after surgery, it's about week seven, we're in Pittsburgh to play the Steelers. I wake up in my hotel room and I can't, my back is spasmed so bad, I can barely get out of bed. Out of nowhere? Out of nowhere. Like my back had been weak, like I had started feeling like some things. But I was still moving and feeling great and playing great. Wake up Sunday morning in Pittsburgh and I can barely get out of bed, can barely get to the bathroom. I'm like, you know what? I've been here before, been in way worse situations. I'll pop the pills. I'll do what I have to do to get, get out there on the field. Get to the facility, immediately go into the training room to have my guys start working on me. Um, to loosen me up, get the heat pack on me, whatever it is. After about 30 to 45 minutes of him working on me, I could still barely get off the table. Wow. I make my way over to my locker. I'm like, okay, I know some stretches that'll get me out of this. I lie down on my back doing these things. I just feel like there's a vice gripping down in my, in my lower core around my spine. And it's just like working all, like I can feel it over my shoulders. I open my eyes and there's the head coach, the offensive coordinator, and my O-line coach standing over top of me. And they said, Eb, you going to be able to go? <laughs> and I go, 
yeah. And I try to get up and I couldn't get up off the floor. And they say, all right, man, you're, you're sitting down today. So they know you're, you're a warrior. Yeah. Yeah. And you, it looks like you took on that. Absolutely. As well, right? Absolutely. Because anything else would have been failure and an embarrassment for you. Yeah. And you wanted them to know how big of a berserker you are. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You, you'd go in there with one leg. Absolutely. Yeah. So, wow. So then what was it? Did, did so <laughs> on Monday, they're looking around. They go, you know what, Eva? We Maybe we pushed you too hard coming back from the back surgery. You've been taking a lot of reps. You've been kicking ass. We're just going to give you a week off. So they gave me a week off. Did an MRI. Everything looked normal. I thought maybe I cracked my hip because there was something weird was happening. Did an MRI, looked clean, nothing there, disc looked good, everything was fine. They put me on a steroid pack to like get blood flow into the area, sure. whatever the fuck that does. Terrible. So. Um, Kills your immune system. Yeah. Yeah. Take the week off. The next week, come into the facility. I park my car. And I have such a bad back spasm that I'm brought to my knees. It had started feeling a little better. And then all of a sudden it just hit me like a ton of bricks. The, the spasm, spasm in your back it feels like, like everything's cramping. Just everything locked up. Yeah. Like I couldn't move. Like yeah. my back. And I just literally slowly went down to my knees in the parking lot. And I had to have two like teammates. Tension, right? Yeah. Yeah. Two teammates had to basically help me walk into the training room. And I tell them what just happened. They're like, really? That's crazy. Schedule another MRI. Go and get another MRI. Nothing's nothing. showing up in the MRI. Okay. Nothing again. They're like, yeah, but, uh, you know, what's going on? How are you feeling? I'm like, I don't know, man. I just keep getting hit with these back spasms. So can't remember if we took another week off or what it was. Eventually, it was basically three MRIs later. It's like the end of the week. They say, Eb, we're going to do one more MRI. I got up super early. It was first thing before going to practice and all of that, before the, the work day started. My trainer picked me up and drove me to the hospital to get this MRI done. It was like 6 o'clock in the morning. They do the MRI, come out of the MRI, and this guy was supposed to be there to pick me up, and he's not there. They say, hey, uh... We're going to take you down to this waiting room. So they bring me down to this waiting room. I'm sitting in there for probably about an hour. Nobody's coming to get me. I'm like, what's going on? Finally, a nurse comes. She says, oh, Nurse Nancy is going to come. Nurse Nancy was like kind of a team nurse who was like a liaison with the hospital. and I had known her. They find something? Well, she comes and she says, yeah, uh, Dr. So-and-so is coming to see you and we're going to admit you to the hospital. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? You're going to admit me to the hospital. So now I'm starting to get angry and of frustrated. And worried and yeah. Yeah, scared. So this back, the, our back specialist comes in and he basically tells me, you've got an infection in the disc and we're going to admit you to the hospital. You need to- Like a staph infection? or They weren't sure yet. Okay. 
That's what they were thinking. When how how long before was your surgery? This was about eleven weeks. Well, now it's about thirteen weeks. Thirteen weeks since your surgery, and you've already been playing. Yes. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, I know. Okay, go on. So they admit me to the hospital. <laughs> they admit me to the hospital. It's like Friday. It's so hilarious, but crazy. I know. I know. It okay, is. sorry. They admit me to the hospital. It's Friday. And they say, hey, Eb, we want to do a biopsy of the disc. And they say, since, you ha- since you've already eaten things, we can't put you out. And I say, well, fuck you. I'm not doing that. I've had needles and shit stuck in my back. And so we're just going to wait. Yeah. So they're like, well, the guy, the biopsy technician can't do it until Monday then. I'm like, fuck it. I'll, I'll stay be awake. Here. I'll be here till Monday. Oh, okay. You know? Yeah. Um, so... Spend the weekend in the hospital. Monday morning, they bring me in for, to get this biopsy. They put me in the twilight and um, do the biopsy. Things are still negative. Like there's nobody can really say exactly what's going on. They're theorizing that there's this, that there's an infection in the disc. I spend another couple days in the hospital. Now it's Halloween and my wife says to the people in the hospital, she's like, look, if nothing is wrong that we can tell, he just, Halloween is one of his favorite holidays. Same here. We're going to take him the fuck (laughs) home. I'm going to get him out of here. Yeah. So finally we go home. I get home on Halloween night, back spasms so bad, I hit the floor. It takes like my brother and my wife and my mom. I'm to, just seeing you on the floor. Yeah. Just you're on your back. Are you face down or oh, on your yeah. back? Face down. And you're just like, I I'm can't like, move. Get the fuck away from me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Are your hands, it's a comedy. Are your hands out like this? No, they're just down. I'm just oh, like totally surrendered. Noodle? Yeah. I'm just. Uh, <laughs> Damn. Um, so finally. Uh, a week later, they're just leaving me at home. They say, I'd just stay at home till we figure out what's going on. Finally, a week later, I get a call from the, the head of the infectious disease doc. And he says, Hey man, uh, so we need you to come in. They were going to throw out the culture today and saw that a back, a growth had formed. So I come in. He basically tells me that it was this super low virulence bacteria, the same bacteria that causes acne had gotten into my disc and caused this infection. That's why it was so slow developing. Yeah. And I get put on eight weeks of intravenous antibiotics. I was hoping not to hear that. Yeah. But I knew it was coming. Yeah. 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 So a nurse came to my house every single day for the next eight weeks and injected me with these antibiotics. Yeah. And uh, so that was year three. The team got sold. Head coach got fired. Came in for year four. Had a new owner. New head coach. New regime. Didn't jive with any of it. Yeah. The head coach seemed like he was trying to get rid of me from day one. Who was that? This guy, Mike Malarkey. Okay. His name says it all. Malarkey. His name says it all. shit in Irish? Yes. I want your malarkey. So, had one of the worst team years and individual years ever. I got benched like eight weeks into the season after 
having a low high ankle sprain game one and hurrying back from that. Um, and I'm ready to be done playing football at yeah. the end of that. You know, uh, I had a, I had a couple calls, one with one of my favorite teammates ever, Brad Meester, who's a 14 year veteran, played center for the Jags for 14 years. And he said, Hey man, look, every single year I'm talking myself in, into and out of why am I still doing this? Right. And he said, hey, man, maybe you get on another team and you fi- you find your love for this game again. Or maybe you go to another team and you feel you realize it's over. Just to get a, a, an idea. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was great advice. I hit free agency. I got a workout with the Seahawks, flew to Seattle. They didn't sign me, flew back to Jacksonville. The next day, flew to Chicago, did a workout. They signed me right away. It's basically in tears because I was like, I don't know if I want to do this, but they want to sign me. So did another year, had a fantastic first year in Chicago. Okay. Found my love for the game again. It was a super magical year. Great to be a part of this team with so much history. Mm-hmm. I I found myself a little niche where I didn't, I was the sixth man. So I wasn't starting, but I played like 20 to 30 snaps as a monster tight end okay which was super fun as a monster tight end yeah basically a blocking tight end okay gotcha 320 pounds you field any catches i i had the ball thrown to me a couple times okay, okay, yeah okay. Um, i didn't catch one okay um but had a ball the chicago tribune wrote this huge article about how much more productive the offense was when i was in there amazing just had a great year. Yeah. Iconic uh, team. Yeah. You the know, best. Iconic fan base. Yeah. Incredible Chicago's city. Chicago's a great city. Yeah. So um, that was really the football experience I had always dreamed of. Got to have that. The next year, it all fell apart again. Hey. And it was it. You know, and actually, I mean, so the last thing that happened, which was really the universe, talking about the cosmic influence. It's really the universe telling me, eh, it's time to be done. It's time to move on to the next chapter was week eight. It was our bye week. Flew home to LA to have my jersey retired by my high school. During the ceremony, I'm doubled over in pain. Hmm. My appendix ruptures. I have to have an emergency appendectomy in Los Angeles. Get stuck here for a week. Lose about 30 pounds. Finally, fly back to Chicago sit out the next four weeks and sort of stumbled through the last two weeks. Wow. Came out of that second season in Chicago and was like, you know what? I think this is over. Brother. Yeah. We're both appendix brothers. Ruptured. <laughs> Almost killed me. Yeah. 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 I, and I, that was Halloween night is the ceremony to retire my Jersey. They do a big thing. I'm watching the game, doubled over in pain, going, man, I think I have food poisoning. Spent the next two days in bed in L.A. My whole family is here. We're celebrating my birthday. They do my birthday party without me. There's a cake. Hear everybody sing. I can't get out of bed. It's the Sunday we're supposed to fly back to Chicago, and I just look at my wife. I'm like, something is really wrong here. You know, yeah. like uh, there's something. So we drive to the hospital immediately. They're like, you have a ruptured appendix. You need to go in for surgery right now. It felt like a raccoon digging out of your. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. It was it, it, horrible. 
You had laparoscopic uh, procedure yes. done? Yeah. Yes. I have same thing. Yes. Okay, the, 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 this is how I want to do this because this was, uh, the, I think our first podcast was basically telling the tale of an yeah. NFL athlete yeah, and just kind of how berserk it is and what the trials and tribulations look like. I think on our next one, let's go deep into the learning process of what all that meant yeah, and where you are today. And then let's free flow ideas and concepts on a whole myriad of things from health to consciousness to purpose to divinity to living within balance and to what the hell we're doing in our life. And I'm just stoked to even have the opportunity to get this experience from you because I do a pretty good job of living vicariously and emotionally through a story. You know, I, I have that ability. Some people have that ability. And I don't claim to be an empath. I claim to be very empathetic. Mm. And I feel. And yeah. I played baseball. I played basketball. I played football. I've big wave surfed my whole life. I've had crazy car accidents. I've been bit by rattlesnakes. I've been shot. I've been stabbed. I know what it's like to be on the the edge of pain and and all of that. Um, so I can feel what you're feeling. You know, yes. I, not not to the level, of course, but in in some respect. And so I just want to say I appreciate you. Uh, candidly speaking about your tribulations through the process. And I can't wait to go into the next round with you. Absolutely. And, and really opening this up. Yeah. And I'm sure we both have tons of questions for each other. I, I want to leave it to this. How did, how did we find each other? Um, how were we pulled together? We just came across each other. It was, it was a cosmic yeah. thing, right? Yeah. I mean, before okay. that, we we were both, we were on opposite sides of Mike through right. his healing process. Right. So that was sort of the first thread. Yep. Mike Tyson. Yep. Yep. And um, yeah, and then I, I don't know, I just came across you and I was just drawn to you somehow. Yeah. Through the digital ether, man. <laughs> you know? Quite the ether. Yeah. yeah. And uh I loved what you had to say and I love everything you do. So it just made sense to me and felt like I was just drawn in. Evan, it's a freaking honor. Likewise, man. And I look forward to taking this to the next level. Me too, dude. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for being on Wake the Fake Up. Um, we're going to do, we're probably going to be filming a couple more with you. Why not? Love Let's to. just create like a mini series. Let's do it. And, and drop further and further. People love hearing these types of stories and then hearing the second part yeah. you know what that next phase looks like because you've you know you've obviously done a fantastic job of coming to a place of self-realization i have to say that just just by meeting you and feeling your vibe you know we we all have demons we all have pain yeah we have we have all those things but yeah. you know we either can you know push them under the rug or we can embrace them yeah you know and that's yeah. really what it's all about absolutely man yeah thank you man thank you brother all right appreciate you of course man big love